0: Another podcast episode of the Transfer Portal CFB presented by No Contact CFB. That Week Seven chapter was so good. It's going to be a tough act to follow, but we're on to Week Eight. We can't wait to preview this slate. It's not going to be easy to top Week Seven, but we could only hope. We're also hoping that our guest today, Taylor McCard, could make a run at our guest picking standings and maybe get to the top. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But, yes, we're joined today by a successful college football quarterback at Rice, turned college football analyst who's done such a good job breaking down games and calling them, too, for ESPN. So it's great to have you on with
1: us today, Taylor. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Love, love the account. Followed No Context for a while and uh, Transfer Portal as well. So love everything you guys do. Excited to be on with you guys. Thank you.
0: Really appreciate those kind words, and yeah, I mean, let's just get right into it, but first, for those watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe, comment some stuff below too. That'd be great to get a conversation going, and we're going to get this pod going with what is the best or most interesting storyline for week eight?
1: Yeah, I think uh, just across the board in college football, I'm fascinated, and this is, I got a little bit of bias because I'm from Austin, Texas. I live in Austin, so I'm in Big 12 country, but I think the landscape of the Big 12 right now is interesting, and I think to me, not just this week, but moving forward through the next few weeks, I'm interested to see do they cannibalize themselves and take themselves out of the college football playoff. Um, the main two teams, obviously being TCU and Oklahoma State, last week. If Oklahoma State were to beat Texas this week, I think they get themselves, you know, they're certainly still in the mix. But it feels like sort of similar to what. ACC is what Clemson is to the ACC. That's kind of what TCU feels like to the Big 12, where they really need them to stay undefeated to have a chance at uh, getting a team in. And so you got the two big matchups this week with Kansas State and TCU, and uh, Texas going to Stillwater. So to me, that's what I'm paying attention to this week, and does the Big 12 end up knocking itself out of contention You know, before we even get to November?
2: No, oh, Yeah, that's definitely very interesting. Uh, something to look out for, for sure, for me. Uh, I think that I kind of want to, I'm interested to see how Tennessee responds after that emotional win last week. Obviously, it's been a crazy college football season. So, you know, we've had a lot of upsets and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of drama all, all, all year. And, you know, you're coming off that win against Alabama, very emotional, very, you know, exciting first time in 15 years that you beat that team and then you look you're kind of looking forward to playing Kentucky and Georgia in the next couple of weeks but you still have the game in front of you against UT uh Tennessee Martin uh so it's kind of you know you kind of want to I'm interested to see how they how they come out to that game they might come out a little bit flat you know I'm not ready I'm not trying to say that they're going to get upset by any means or anything like that but I'm interested to see how they come out and how do they you know after that emotional win and if they're not looking too far ahead, I know they're, they're they're at a high right now. But you still have to play the games in front of you, and I'm interested to see how uh, Tennessee comes out um and kind of how do they respond after that emotional win and i don't know i don't know should we put tennessee on upset watch i'm not ready to do that yet but i'll be no, it's gonna be no, fun to I, see how they how i, they I they can come confidently out against UT say it's okay
0: we don't need to put tennessee on the upset watch boise state handled ut martin with relative ease before boise state you know had to transition to the new offense without uh you know, plow with OC and with Taylor Green coming to the quarterback. The bad Boise State version handled UT Martin very easily. Uh, the yeah. very good Tennessee team is going I'm to sure. yeah, I, yeah, be. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: It should be a bit. Yeah, it should be a. I, I, like I said, I'm not going as far as calling it, calling them an upset watch or anything like that. But, you know, UT Martin has scored four. They're four and two in all four of their wins. They've scored more than 40 points. So we saw what Alabama, you know, the defense is pretty much for. Not there in in a uh you know at Tennessee last week so i am just I'm not like I said I'm not trying to say they're gonna get upset but I feel like it might come out a little flat it might kind of stumble a little bit and then um hopefully it doesn't it doesn't hurt them moving forward
3: and you that would have been the uh the hot take of the century had you said Tennessee's on upset alert man we would have plastered that all over social media like, look at the fraud that Brian is no I'm, I'm oh, kidding man. I I understand your point um I'm gonna go way off the beaten path here I'm gonna go to San Diego State for the biggest storyline in my opinion this is one of the most interesting storylines in college football this season their offense has just been super weird this year and it's going to be even more weird than usual. Braxton Burmeister was the starting quarterback. He's at his third school. He's dealt with a shoulder injury, eye injury. Now he's dealing with a concussion. He's been practicing at wide out at Whiteout this week. And was actually doing pretty well against some really talented defensive backs. And they started Jalen Maiden as their starting quarterback last week. He's a converted safety. Did play quarterback in high school. Was a very good one. Committed to Mississippi State as a quarterback. Uh, But this year, he's been taking all reps on defense until a couple days before the Hawaii game last week, and he balled out. He had 322 passing yards. They've announced him as the starter for this week. So I really want to see what kind of spark he can provide to the San Diego State offense that had zero spark coming into this game uh, against Hawaii last week.
0: Nobody wanted to talk about the big time games in the big sky you guys are going to leave that to me <laughs> this is the most interesting story i'm serious you have number five weaver state playing at number three montana state and number seven montana playing at number two sacramento state which is a 8 p.m pacific game that's on espn too so be sure to tune into that game but look the big sky is clearly the second best conference in the fcs you know, behind the MVFC, of course. And these are just two quality showdowns that we're going to get to, you know, kind of watch. I know many people are going to watch it, whatever. I'll be locked in for the Montana Sac State game, though. But this is a game that has massive playoff implications for seeding. So these these two games are going to play a big role in where teams get placed in the FCS playoffs. And I'll just give you one player to watch from each team. Weaver State's got corner Maxwell Anderson. Five interceptions in six games. He's going to be a low-key NFL prospect. Montana State receiver Willie Patterson was a star on SVP's Bad Beats last night. Uh, He's got eight reception, eight receiving touchdowns on twenty-four catches in seven games. Kind of a yak monster. Patrick O'Connell, linebacker at Montana, seems like he's been there for twenty-five years. Seven and a half sacks, two interceptions, fifty total tackles in this season. He just keeps on thriving. And then Cameron Scadabo, the running back at Sac State. This guy is as tough as they come. The touchdown he had last weekend, it's Eastern Washington, the red turf, the turtle he put up there. He's just a tough dude. He's a fun watch. And with that, we're going to bounce to the group of five team that has the best chance of making a New Year's Six.
1: Yeah, I, some more bias uh, coming from me here, probably. So if this, any Mountain West fans out there or, or Conference USA Sunbelt, don't come after me for this. But um, I think it's likely whoever ends up winning the American. And I know that's not necessarily a, a shock. I'm probably going sort of chalk down the fairway with that answer. But I think it's a down year for the Mountain West. Uh, I think Coastal Carolina losing hurts in the Sunbelt. Um and Conference USA, if UTSA had figured out a way to get a, a, at least a win over Houston earlier in the year, maybe they would have had a chance, but because they lost. And I think it ends up coming down to whoever wins out of the American because you're likely talking about either Cincinnati, who was a playoff team last year, so they're gonna, and they're already ranked, UCF, who's on the cusp of being ranked, and then Tulane, who is ranked. So if, you know, one of those three teams, even with two losses, it wins, the, it wins the American Conference, I think that team probably ends up being ranked at the end of the season. I think that's probably who ends up being your, your representative.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, Taylor literally took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, if UTSA had beaten Houston in that triple overtime game opening week, I would have easily gone with them. I think that UTSA is probably gonna, uh, I think they're good enough to run away with, with conference USA. Um, but they didn't beat Houston, so I don't think that it'll be enough to to catch up to the American teams. Uh, obviously, the American conference, although it is a group of five conference, it is all kind of seen as that almost to that power five, almost power six level. Some people like to call it. So, um, so yeah, and I, I do agree with with Taylor 100%. Uh, the winner of the American conference should have the path there. Um, so I'm gonna gonna I'm kind of gonna go on. Uh, I'm riding the Green Wave, baby. I'm going to go with Tulane. I really think that Tulane is going to. They, they still have to play UCF. They still have to play um, Cincinnati. So if they can get through those games, uh, and like Taylor mentioned, that UCF is on the cusp of being ranked. Um, if they can get through those games, and you know, I'm I i do not know if I'm just eating, I'm drinking the Kool Aid, and I really believe in the Green Wave, but I'm going to go ahead and say that I think Tulane will do that uh, and be and win the American and head to the uh, to a New York Six Bowl for sure. I mean, I think it's pretty easy
3: to predict that, you know, whoever the near six representative in the group of five is will be from either the American or the Sun Belt. Um, I mean, the MAC has been fairly underwhelming. It's going to cannibalize itself. We know what the MAC will do. Mountain West, like you said, Taylor, has just been ridiculously underwhelming as well. For me, I think it's going to come down to either UCF or Coastal. Tulane and Cincinnati, their schedules don't really look quite as easy as UCF's, which is why I think UCF has the path to get there. I also think UCF is the most complete team in the group of five right now. I mean, they've got a top five offense, a top 10 scoring defense, the best red zone defense in the country. They shut teams down in the second half. They turn them over in the second half. I think they've only given up nine points in the second half in the last four games. So this is a team that's firing on all cylinders right now. And I think they have a really good chance to, to win out potentially. Coastal, I wouldn't put it past them, but their defense has been abysmal recently. You know, they gave up 49 points to Old Dominion. They did not look good at all in that game. If they're going to get there to the New Year Six and win the Sun Belt, Grayson McCall is going to have to carry him because that defense is going to struggle. But my prediction, I'm going to go with the Knights of UCF.
0: Grayson McCall needs some help. They got to get that guy some help because he has been carrying a piano on his back all season. I feel bad for him. Been dealing with injuries too. Please help that guy out. Future NFL quarterback. Don't care what the haters say. I'm going to be a hater here though. Am I wrong for thinking that Tulane could end their season without picking up another win? Because their schedule is extremely difficult. If we look ahead and this is a team that I believe has overachieved Uh Ty Shea- Spears has been a stun in everything, but I just, I just don't see it. I really do think they've overachieved. Uh, I know I was one of like twelve people that picked them beat K State and everything, but that was like three years ago. It feels like. I, I I think this schedule is just so tough. I also went with UCF slash UTSA. I think the Americans gonna have some cannibalization. I really think UTSA is going to win out. They're gonna have some solid wins. You know, with UAB, they had the win against Buster, Kentucky. whoever. I know they they missed out their opportunity against Houston. They also missed the opportunity when they collapsed at the end of the third quarter and the fourth against Texas. But. I just see UTSA winning out. I don't think anybody at their level can defend an offense that has Frank Harris at quarterback with the on Clark, Zachary Franklin, and Joshua Cephas at receiver. It's one of the best receiver trios in the country. This team's just going to hold serve. They're going to keep winning. And and if other stuff happens along the way, good for them because UTSA is just going to slowly climb up those rankings eventually. Time will tell. But, yeah, I went with UTSA. We'll move on to the team in week eight that we believe has the most to gain. Oh, well, it doesn't have to be a team. It could be anyone. The team uh, – I said the team. <laughs> <laughs> who, who has the most to gain and who has the most to lose in week eight? Yeah, oh, Liam, I'm,
1: I'm going with the uh, the banner that you got over your left shoulder there. Uh, I think it's the Bruins. I think it's it's weird to say that the number nine team in the country is sort of quietly a top ten team, but it's also – I feel like that's par for the course for the Pac-12 where they don't get some of the attention that maybe they deserve at a national level. But they're 6-0, and if they win at Autzen against Oregon, all of a sudden this team is now a legitimate, legitimately in the playoff discussion. I think they are already there, but a win over a top-10 Oregon team on the road at Autzen, uh, man, that catapults them into the legitimate discussion for the playoff. And it sort of validates who they are as a team uh, I think early in the season, and I'm not going to remember the the a couple of these games, but I, their non-conference schedule, it feels like they sort of played with their food a little bit in games that you're like, what are we doing? There's like 11 people in the Rose Bowl, and they're South about Alabama. to lose to South Alabama, right? Um, to me, it felt like they, and it also feels like a classic Chip Kelly team, right? Like, don't care about the non-conference, don't care about the teams that aren't marquee matchups, but then they show up. And beat the brains out of I think it was Washington a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so if they go up, and get a win over Oregon, all of a sudden I think this team has the confidence they need to go forward in the rest of that Pac-12 slate.
2: Yeah, um, I'm going to get to UTS, UTS, uh, UCLA in our most to lose in a second. But uh, so I kind of uh, I kind of have piggyback on what you're going to say on what you said. But uh, my most again, I think is going to be Syracuse. Um, Syracuse has a big, big challenge in front of them in Clemson Um, you know they're undefeated they're ranked uh, 14th I think it was Uh, so beating a top 10 Clemson team who's pretty much dominated aside from last year um, the ACC the last you know five six years um, that can also catapult him into serious playoff contention Um, you know obviously it's going to be tough and it's not going to be it's probably not going to happen, but I feel like if Syracuse can somehow and Clemson has shown signs of, you know, there's, they've, they've had some holes throughout the year. They've kind of, they haven't really been the Clemson that from the past. I know that there are a lot better that they are now that they have been um, at the beginning of the season. Um, but if Syracuse can somehow, you know, be Clemson and that'll just, that gives them that big win uh, on their, on their resume and could really, catapult them into the playoff contention uh, in that conversation. Maybe I, I could even see them getting put into the top 10, um, especially with Oregon and UCLA playing each other to kind of eliminate a top 10 team. If, if, if uh, Syracuse can beat Clemson, that could definitely catapult them into the top 10 um, and really set themselves up nicely in the second half of the year to kind of, you know, get there. Uh, especially when we have a lot of games to be played where a lot of teams who are ranked and highly ranked um, have to play each other, Uh, So that that really does put them in a good position if they can somehow beat uh, Clemson this Saturday. I'm going to go with LSU. I think the Tigers offense
3: looked unstoppable against Florida. Jaden Daniels is playing his best football in three years, has two straight 300 yard games. He didn't even have one in the last two years. Uh, He's turning into the quarterback that everyone thought he was going to be when he torched Oregon in 2019 and everybody was saying, oh, look out for this guy in the NFL draft and for years to come. If LSU can beat Ole Miss, it could spark a run for a potential SEC West title. I know that kind of sounds crazy, but they're definitely not out of it. They've got Alabama coming to Baton Rouge in week 10. They still have trips to Arkansas and Texas A&M coming. They could, they could win those games. I think this team is playing at a really high level. But at the same time, you know, the defense is kind of concerning. Um, you know, the inconsistency on offense early in the season might come back to bite them. But right now, I think this LSU team could really make a run. They're a borderline top 25 team already, in my opinion. I think with a win over um, Ole Miss, they would easily be a top 20 team for sure. And they've got the talent to win against Alabama, Arkansas, and A&M.
0: So Brian Kelly might invite you to the family. Yeah, I saw.
3: Yeah, I'm so I'm bad. on my way. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> so but that was, I am not the accent guy, but my biggest winner or most of the game Weber is you slash Oregon. It's just straight up the winner of this game. I think we're kind of overlooking what this means for Oregon. First off, it means redemption for the team that got curb stomped by Georgia to come back and bounce back like this in the way that they have in every game since that one it's very impressive. They're going to get their respect that they deserve. And then if you just look at these teams' remaining schedules, UCLA's got Stanford. They're at ASU, Arizona. They're hosting USC, and then they're at Cal. A lot of winnable games are outside of the one, of course, which is going to be a just a great game to watch. Then Oregon's at Cal, at Colorado, versus Washington versus Utah at Oregon State. Both teams have you know, the Pac-12 stuff. I ain't saying this, it it's, a, it's a dang good conference this year, but both teams do have a lot of winnable games. They're going to be in control, uh, you know, of their path, getting to that Pac-12 title game, possible playoff birth. I don't know. If it, if this season really is anything like 2007, maybe Kansas ends up making it back to the top for a playoff birth. Probably not, but I figure I'd say that line anyway. But, yeah, let's just go to most to lose.
1: Most to lose for me, and and I guess this is really – for the remainder of the year for me, I know we're just talking about this week, um, but it's Alabama because they can't lose another one. And if the expectation year in and year out is to get back to college football playoff, they really very easily could have two, maybe three losses on their schedule to this point. If Quinn Ewer stays healthy, they I think they certainly lose to Texas. Even with him out, if one of those calls goes against them, they lose that game. And then if A&M doesn't have the worst goal line Possession of all time, AM probably wins that game. So they've got Mississippi State at home, which is a losable game. They should win that game, but they could lose that game. Then they are on the road against LSU and then on the road against Ole Miss. You drop any one of those three and it's over. They're not going to make the playoff with two losses before they even get to the. I don't know that they would reach the Coppers Championship, but even if they did, I think they're out of the playoff race. And for Alabama with that level of expectations, to me, I think they have the most to lose, maybe of anybody right now.
2: Yeah, no, that's a definitely a great point. Um, so I, I kind of went uh, like I like I said earlier, I, I went with UCLA or slash the Pac-12 has the most to lose. Um, I don't think a, a one-loss Pac-12 team is going to be enough to make the playoff. We already saw uh, a USC lose, obviously. Um, Oregon, um, what they what they did against Georgia, and another loss. I think will obviously. Definitely get uh, put them out of contention there, but UCLA has a great chance here um, if they can get a top ten uh, top ten win against Oregon. That could really to keep them undefeated. That definitely puts them in, in, into the conversation and puts them into that position to make the playoff. Um, so if, if UCLA were to lose, you were to lose this game against Oregon, I just don't see a path for a Pac-12 team to make the College Football Playoff at the end of the season. Um, obviously, there's a lot of football left to be played. A lot of things can happen, uh, but you see how. Uh, you know, you have the SEC. We have, there's a path for potentially two, maybe three SEC teams to make the college football playoff. I know that's crazy to say, but there's definitely a path there with Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss, all those teams still having to play one another. Um, So there's a chance for, you know, four teams to finish with one loss in the SEC. Uh, So the Pac-12 really needs to have that one team that's undefeated, uh, that has the signature wins. Um, And UCLA is on that path. So I think that as of right now, UCLA uh, and slash the Pac-12 have the most to lose, uh, because if UCLA loses this game, I think that's pretty much ends the chances, in my opinion, for a Pac-12 team to make the college football playoff.
0: I hope we don't live in that SEC invitational college football playoff world. That sounds absolutely
2: miserable. There's a path. There's a path there. One lost Tennessee, one lost Alabama, one lost Georgia, even one lost Ole Miss, and all of those four teams could end up happening at the end of the year. So Frightening. Wow. Well. I honestly think it is
3: it is possible that that would happen but I'm going to stay in the state of California in the Pac-12 but I'm going to go with a human rather than a team. I think David Shaw is the most to lose this week. If Stanford falls to Arizona State at home they'll be 0-5 in Pac-12 play even though they beat Notre Dame last week and that was a Ugly win, but a win nonetheless. And South Bend, I still think David Shaw is one of the hottest seats in college football. They've lost 11 of the last 12 Pac-12 games. I guess technically their streak against FBS teams and a conference is still, is still there. So if they lose at home to an Arizona State team, that is just abysmal right now. Uh, yes, they beat Washington. That was a great win for Sean Ogano in that program. But they're still in the middle of a huge rebuild right now. I, I just think this would be it for David Shaw at Stanford. Should they lose at home to a team in that situation?
0: Man, I'm going with Tony Elliott. I'm sorry. I know it's his first year at UVA, but how doesn't he have so much to like? Dude, I know it's his first season. I understand, but if we really like, kind of take a deep dive at things, let's just look at it. If you start two and five, zero oh, and four in the ACC with a lackluster, with all these lackluster performances, and then you add on a loss to Georgia Tech, where you're a three-point underdog, which says enough about where Virginia is right now that they're a dog to Georgia Tech. Like this stuff is. Bad and yeah, you could again go back. It's his first year. Recognize what happened at Clemson in 2021. The offense was absolutely anemic in 2022. Clemson has totally turned it around. DJU looks a whole lot better than he did in 2021. The offensive line looks better. Receivers look kind of better. The scheme isn't as anemic as it was in 2021. There are just so like clemson's just so much better off with them. Now look at what happened to the UVA offense. What was everybody saying? Literally everybody was saying, "Oh." Brennan Armstrong, uh Dontavian Wicks, Keaton Thompson, UVA's got dudes everywhere on offense. They're gonna lie at the scoreboard. No, they don't. Brandon Armstrong has turned into a pedestrian quarterback for no reason. He's just fallen victim to the Tony Elliott like. Empire, I suppose. Like this stuff is terrible. This was a guy that was a potential, you know, dark horse Heisman candidate. Now he's like complaining 54% of his passer or some garbage. He's not crying at the high level, he's not having fun out there. Like Dontavian Wicks is completely like falling off, too. He's not the coveted NFL prospect they used to be. There's just The sample size that we've seen from Tony Elliott ball clubs and the level of regression that there is, is really scary to me. I honestly, if UVA loses and another lackluster performance to Georgia tech and I'm, you know, working at UVA, I'm, I'm kind of considering like, you know, this guy might have to be a one done. We might have to find his replacement ASAP. I know it ain't going to happen. I'm just going to speak the truth right now because I don't see this marriage between Ellie and Virginia lasting very long at all. Speechless. Thank y'all.
3: Point. Good
0: point. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks. 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 How about the game? You're most forward, uh, most looking forward to watching. Words are tough.
1: Um, I I'll stick close to home for this because, and this is again, back to the big 12. I am interested to see Texas go to Stillwater. And the reason that I'm paying attention to this game is Oklahoma State really should have and could have won their game last week against TCU. How do they bounce back? If they get a win over Texas, they're still in the driver's seat. If they win out and their only loss is to TCU, who's likely going to be at the top, you may see just a rematch between those two in the conference championship later in the year. If they lose... Texas is quietly they're only they have one loss in the Big 12 and it was to Texas Tech who's going to be a non-factor in the Big 12 as the season plays along just in terms of the the championship if Texas wins at Stillwater all of a sudden because they missed they they got through their trap game last week against Iowa State that was a trap game and they just ran the ball with uh, Bijan and Roshan right at Iowa State got lucky there at the end and got out of there with a win if they can turn, go to Stillwater and get a win, all of a sudden, now you're talking about Texas out of nowhere, it feels like, back in the hunt for the Big 12 championships. I think there's a lot at play for both of those teams this week.
2: Yeah, that's definitely one I'm gonna be looking at as well. Um, I went with what we've been talking about, uh, Oregon and UCLA, I think that's, you know, gonna be a great matchup too. You know, the the Pac-12, it's it's fast football and they play a lot of scoring and, I'm very interested to see both of those teams, you know, Oregon, how, how they've been able to basically establish their season um, after that embarrassing loss to Georgia, they've been able to kind of get back into the mix and be a back, go back to being a top 10 team. Um, they had the great win against BYU earlier in the year. Um, and obviously, like I mentioned before, UCLA has a lot, go, has a lot riding on this game. They, they want to remain in playoff contention and really catapult them into that next kind of top echelon of teams. Um, they have to win this game. Um, so, no, I, there's really not much more to say. We've pretty much covered that game pretty extensively uh, at this point. So, uh, but that's the one I'm looking forward to the most.
3: I wouldn't say that this is a game that I'm most looking forward to. Cause I'll probably, I'm trying to go to the game in Eugene and college game day and all that good stuff. So obviously I'm looking forward to that the most, but one game that I'm really interested in watching is BYU in Liberty. It's going to be at the same time as, as the Oregon game. So I'm not going to be tuned in as locked in as I probably would be otherwise, but this BYU defense got absolutely shredded against Arkansas last week, 644 yards, seven touchdowns, 34 first downs, 12 of 15 on third down against Arkansas. I mean, they can't tackle. They can't cover. They can't get off the field on third down. Kalani Satake seemed to acknowledge that they've got a huge problem on defense. Changes have to be made. And if Liberty's balanced offensive attack rips them apart, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, BYU's defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki would be out of a job, to be honest. And this Liberty team is very good. I thought they could have gotten uh, votes in the AP poll. I think they're a really good team that you shouldn't sleep on uh, as we round out the season.
0: Yeah, BYU and Liberty is certainly a matchup of some institutions, to say the
3: least. I, I didn't want to yeah, say that's... that part. I, I thought we were gonna, <laughs> I thought we were gonna steer clear. Well, this is <laughs> oh, a football podcast. God.
0: Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Football, the football, the football between Syracuse and Clemson is going to be good. I think I actually really love this matchup between Clemson's offense and Syracuse's defense. I think Syracuse has a very underrated and prolific defense with NFL guys all over the place. Garrett Williams is going to be a you know a top fifty pick at corner. Michael Jones is the Deuce Chestnut, Caleb Okochuku. They're all really good players that headline the bunch. Let's see how this Clemson offense takes this test and against another good, strong defense. How does the DJU redemption arc continue? And then even on the other side, like Sean Tucker and and Aranda Gadsden in the second going up against Clemson's amazing defense is going to be super fun. So I'm really looking forward to that game. I don't think Syracuse pulls it off, but 2007 2.0, you never know, right? Yeah, it's probably not happening. (laughs) You never know, though. But, uh, uh, Taylor, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you what it was like to you know, get that call and just commentate the Boise State UTEP game with little to no prep. What was that experience like? like yeah, that was so crazy.
1: Yeah, that was wild. That was a crazy day. I had been in contact with CBS for a while and I just hadn't had anything open up with them. And so we talked about stuff for, for next season but they told me, look, if we have something, you know, somebody gets sick or there's any sort of issue, we'll give you a call. And uh, cause I've been doing most of my games with ESPN and I had just landed in Houston. I was doing the Houston and rice game. And, uh, I went to do my buddy's radio show and I was at the iHeartMedia media studios and we did the first segment and I get a call from, uh, back-to-back calls from a DC number. And I'm like, I don't, you know, don't know who that is. Um, Anyway, they, they call me and they're like, look, Aaron Taylor, our analyst is sick. And can you get to UTEP like now? And uh, I like, look, I was like, let me, let me look up some flights. Let me see if I can get back. Cause I wasn't so much worried about getting there. I just didn't want to screw up my game with ESPN the next day. And I mean, they would be, and rightfully so I'd be pissed. Right. Um, and there were enough flights. The weather looked good getting there and back, drove back to Houston, Hobby airport, jumped on a plane, Aaron Taylor was awesome and like just teed me up with all the notes that he had. And, uh, I knew enough about UTEP just from covering different teams in the region that I felt pretty comfortable with them. And I I knew enough about their program and how their, their style of play was. I felt pretty good about them. I had studied zero Boise tape all season. (laughs) I knew Hank Bachmeyer used to be good. And that was basically all I knew. And I knew that this season they weren't playing great. Um, And then I watched some of the UT Martin film. I think we talked about them earlier and was like, man, this is going to be, I think this may be an ugly game. I think they may just run right at one another. And that's basically what we got. But it was a a wild 24 hours and thankful that I got back to Houston and pulled off both of them without any issues.
0: Well, good thing you didn't look at my Boise State notes. I thought that team was an eleven. I guess they still could get there. But I still thought they were like a dark horse New Year's 6 contender going into the year. Good thing they didn't take
1: my notes. Yeah, they uh, there's it actually feels like they're playing better since they got rid of I think they mm-hmm. fired their offensive of coordinator and then yeah. Bachmeyer's now in the portal, right? Yes, correct. Um, so it, it seems like whatever change they made between those two and then going to I want to say the backup uh, Taylor is Green. more of a mobile guy, right? If I remember correctly, yeah. And there there were some fans. Just on looking at Twitter stuff, when I was flying out there, there were some people that were already calling for Bachmeyer to get benched. So maybe they're getting their way, but it seems like they're playing a little better since that loss.
0: Yeah, I, it was kind of ugly when they played San Diego State and then the second half because they got shut out in the first half. And then they're like, all right, we're just going to let Taylor Green run the rock. And it completely yeah. changed their offense. I wish that yeah. you got to see that because Talon's such a fun player to watch. But yeah, I mean that, that experience that you had to call that game and then you know the Houston Rice won <laughs> the next game. It, that stuff is almost unheard of to call two games in two days like that. But uh, yeah, good good job. Really good Appreciate job. Appreciate
3: it. Yeah, as soon as as soon as uh we watched that game and we heard that you were uh, you know, filling in at the last minute. I think I messaged Liam that night. I was like, we got to get him on the pod and then talk about that because that was, that was super cool. So yeah, yeah not the most fun game you. to watch unless you're a UTEP fan. But yeah, you absolutely killed it on, on very little preparation. So props to well, you. Thank tonight. you. I appreciate that. Now something we might not do well as predicting
0: the four playoff teams.
1: <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, um, all right, I'm going to go chalk for the first two. Uh, I, think, I don't think there's anybody that beats Clemson out of the ACC. I think they get back there. I think DJU is playing well enough that they get back there with them. I think Ohio State is far and away the best team out of the Big Ten this year. I don't think Michigan beats them. Uh, I think they get back in. The other two are sort of hot take bold predictions. I don't think you could really die on a hill for any one of the SEC teams right now to run the table. But if you made me right now, I think Tennessee has the best chance to do it and get to the SEC championship game. And if that happens, I think Tennessee gets in regardless if they lose or not. So I'm putting Tennessee in. The last one is sort of my Desmond Howard flyer that, you know, (laughs) may get made fun of later in the season four. But I think TCU has a legitimate chance to run the table in the Big 12. And if they do, obviously they're in. But they've got the weapons on offense. You saw last week against Oklahoma State, you can never count them out in a game. I think they have what it takes to run the table. They're battle tested already. And if they do, then I uh, go Clemson, Ohio State, and then Tennessee and TCU for what I think would be one of the more fun playoffs since we've had the playoff. I'm I'm down for that a lot more than the <laughs> SEC <laughs> invitation. That yeah, does. the SEC round robin invitational that Brian was calling for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: this one sounds fun.
2: Yeah, no, that's that that would be cool. I, I I like to see new new teams and and underdog stories. I'm a big underdog guy, so I definitely I would love to see that as well. Um uh, I kind of went a little chalk as well Like i you know ohio State and clemson um kind of like taylor you alluded to i think they're probably have the easiest roads to get to where to get to call full playoff um obviously i mentioned the syracuse game coming up with clemson if they get if they, if clemson does win which we all expect them to it just adds another notch to the resume uh so even if they do slip up later on that i don't think it i still think they get there um ohio State, yeah i just i mean They still have some games to play moving for the rest of the year, but uh, I think they're they're one of the four best teams in the country. So I think they make it as well. Um, So I I, I struggled with the last two teams. uh, And uh, I guess it's my SEC bias showing, uh, but I went with Tennessee and Georgia and that's two SEC teams. Now, my thought process is so they're both going to be undefeated when they play each other. Whoever wins that game. Um, probably it's obviously going to go to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Um, If Georgia goes to Atlanta and beats Alabama, that'll be Alabama's second loss, maybe even third loss by that point. Um, And, you know, they definitely get in. And then a one loss, Tennessee team could get in and then switch and vice versa. If Whoever wins that game, wins the SEC championship game. And then the loser is going to be there with one loss. They're still going to have a great resume. Um, I think that that it's going to be the deciding factor there the the big thing i think for georgia is how does oregon Continue to play for the rest of the year. That win in week one has becoming is becoming more and more impressive as Oregon has played, uh, and especially if Oregon beats UCLA this week, that's another top fifteen win for them. Top ten win this time. So if Oregon can run the table and maybe win the Pac twelve, that is going to be a huge resume boost for Georgia. Even if they do lose to Tennessee, um, and 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 they are eleven and one at the end of the year. Um, so that's where my thought process kind of is, but I could easily see obviously Alabama running the table, Ole Miss kind of there. Cause like, like Taylor, you mentioned they, Alabama looks beatable this year. Their defense isn't as good. Um, so you, you, there are a lot of teams with high powered offense in the SEC West, like Ole Miss and Mississippi state that could, you know, potentially outgun Alabama. Um, so that's what I think that opens the door for two SEC East teams to make the college football playoff.
1: And I think just really quick, Brian, I think it could absolutely happen. And if you want to see college football fans come completely unhinged, let a Pac-12 and Big 12 champion both be one-loss teams and Tennessee go in as a non-conference champion with one loss over both of those. It could. It honestly could happen if they lose close, if it's like a field goal loss to Georgia and then Georgia were to run over and steamroll Alabama, it could absolutely happen if the Big 12 and Pac-12 champions don't look great on their way to – uh, their conference championships.
2: Well, just don't come to my house with pitchforks. I, I had nothing to do with it. I just talk about the game. I have nothing to do with
0: it. I, what a shame! This would be such a good year for an expanded playoff. That's just a crazy thought I had. Maybe yeah. you know, maybe we just implement that now.
3: Yeah, and Taylor, what what you said is almost exactly how I envision it all happening. I have Georgia as the one seed, going undefeated, beating Tennessee in a couple of weeks, and then winning the SEC title. I think Ohio State and Clemson stay undefeated as well. And then I think Tennessee stays in as a four, team, as a four seed uh, with that one loss to Georgia. I think Georgia's probably going to smack Alabama and Atlanta. And I think even if TCU goes undefeated, I, I think TCU would probably get in. I would guess over Tennessee, but I don't think TCU goes undefeated. I do think they'll slip up. If I had to guess and put money on it, I'd probably put that game in Austin in a few weeks. And then another team that I'm, I'm really wondering about is how good Alabama could be against Ole Miss. Like, that's the game where I think Alabama will be done with the playoff. And I think Ole Miss could potentially be that team that slips into the SEC championship, maybe that Georgia beats Ole Miss. So I think it's going to be Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Tennessee, same four teams as Brian had, just in a little bit of a different order
0: interesting so me as the guy that all season has been saying this is like the most even playing field that we're going to have in some time blah blah the stuff is all coming to fruition so of course my playoff we've got Ohio State we've got Clemson they're both going to go on the and we still got Alabama. I see them winning out and knocking out Tennessee or Georgia in the SEC championship game. And then what you're not going to do as the committee is leave out an undefeated TCU team. You're not leaving them out of this playoff. Completely agree with Taylor. Sure. A week and a half ago, I said TCU is going to lose both games against Texas and Baylor at the end of the season. I don't care anymore. Just give me all the chaos. Give me this TCU team with the speed, the burst, the explosiveness, the quickness. I want to see them play as much football as I can. Let me see TCU in the playoff. Let me see Kendrick Miller get the big stage and roll with it. Get his NFL draft stock up. Um, Yeah, this playoff's not going to happen, but it's fun to think about.
3: (laughs) Ohio State and TCU in the first round. My goodness, I'd pay so much money for that
2: and
0: be it'd be a lot better than some sec football huh
2: i mean it would i would it really be though if like, we've yes, seen some of these yes, teams yeah, make the playoffs, yes, like Michigan yes, State yes, and yes. Oklahoma and Cincinnati, and they just get steamrolled We're, we're in not playing so.
0: No, we're not putting Michigan State and this TCU team in the same tier. Uh, no, this TCU team, man, they're so, if they had the biases of what the preseason poll does, they'd be so much higher ranked than where they're at now. But, of course, the shiny little numbers in August actually mean something for absolutely no reason. This TCU team is good. Max Duggan has been completely frankenstein this isn't the same guy that has been playing quarterback there for the last two years i don't know why sonny dykes and tcu opted not to be gang quentin johnson the ball in previous games but if you look at what he's done last week and and, and two weeks ago and now he's getting volume and his and how was is going
1: up. and how was duggan not starting the season i don't know if y'all watch their opener against colorado but i watched the first half and was like this is going to be a four win big 12 team these guys are terrible and then Max Duggan's a dark horse Heisman candidate. It's like, what are we doing?
0: That's bad because I know like there was a lot of buzz about Morris. And I was excited to see him. And then he just didn't look very good at all in the opener. And now as the season progresses, we're still going to have to look at this TC scoring and everything, but we're going to have to look back. They scored zero points against Colorado in the first quarter.
1: I know. Wild.
0: And uh their backup quarterback now, Sam Jackson, is an absolute electric factory. With I, I I'd be looking to get him on the field more. Just create a package for him and let him do his thing. That kid is unbelievable. This TCU team just has so much speed. I I, I just want them. I'm being a little selfish picking them, I guess. I just want to see them on the biggest stage possible. We'll go into uh if those weren't hot takes, no, we're both predictions. we got <laughs> some for this week eight.
1: Yeah, I'll give you a, a hot take out of the conference that I spend most of my time in in the American conference. I think Cincinnati loses this week against an SMU team that has underperformed. But SMU is just a three-point dog in this game at home. It's an 11 a.m. kick. Cincinnati, there were, there were two or three other games on the schedule that they could have lost. I had their game a couple of weeks ago against South Florida. South Florida... Terrible fourth and one call with their if they had picked that up, they had a chance to go and win that game. It's a Cincinnati team that they've got the capability on offense, but consistency has not been there at all. On the flip side, SMU multiple times this season, you think, man, this could be a really good team. They had a chance to beat Maryland, gave that game away late, looked really good in the first half against UCF, end up getting their doors blown off in the second half. So I think this is the week they write the ship. They've got the the nonsense with the kids that were sitting out the rest of the season. They've got that behind them. They're not playing on a Wednesday night at the bounce house anymore. They get Cincinnati early in the game, or it's an early kick, eleven a.m. I think they get a win over Cincinnati.
0: I like that one a lot. I think he has been super susceptible to getting picked off here eventually.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah. When you lose a lot of NFL talent, that that definitely can happen for sure. Uh, um, so my pick is I. I I, I don't know how bold it is at this point in the season, um, but I really do think that Mississippi State can beat Alabama. Um, obviously, you know, like Taylor, you mentioned, they they could very easily have three losses right now. Pretty much any team, every team that they've played that has a, 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 a resemblance of an offense um, has done well against Alabama. You know, we saw what Texas did with a, with, um, a backup hump, uh, it hurt quarterback, and all only lost by one point. You know, we saw what Texas A&M did as well uh, with that egregious call on 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 uh, on the one-yard line. And uh, I still don't even know what that call was. It's It was ridiculous. You threw it uh, be, even before the sticks. Like, I don't even know what you're doing. But anyway, um, yeah, I think Mississippi State, you know, that air rate offense that Mike Lee starts to run, I think that they could potentially beat Alabama. They're hurt. I think that Alabama's really just, I don't know. This just doesn't feel like the Alabama of the past, and I don't know what's wrong with that defense. Obviously, Will Anderson is Will Anderson, um, but I just expected more from, from Alabama and the Nick Saban coach team. So, yeah, I think that Mississippi State could definitely win this weekend. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaning towards picking Mississippi State to win, but I've definitely, obviously, Nick Saban is going to make me look stupid, like he has plenty of times. Uh, so I'm going to say my my bull prediction is definitely Mississippi State uh, beating Alabama. I'm going to keep mine pretty short.
3: I think Minnesota is going to beat Penn State. I just think this is the time of the year when Penn State's hot start completely falters, and then they're a middling Big Ten team. I read that, I think it was since 2014, Penn State is 3-5 and five in the game following their first loss of the year, so whenever they lose their first game, they're, they're done. They're cooked. I just think Mo Ibrahim and the Gophers defense – will dominate i think minnesota wins big in penn state
0: now the james franklin team coming out flat and unprepared and just falling um, yeah i thought that'd be great uh, i'll keep mine short too charlotte wide receiver grant dubose goes for a whopping 200 plus receiving yards and three plus receiving touchdowns against a terrible fiu defense this week this is a guy that's got nfl written all over him Uh, One of the best stories in the sport, too. If you're not familiar with it, please look up, uh, you know, the Grand Poe's journey. Uh, I won't say it all because I've said like 12,000 times on here, but his journey has been insane. And we'll just move into player focus now. And each week we highlight a Power 5 player, then one group of five slash FCS player that we're really looking forward to watching this week.
1: I'm going to cheat Ever so slightly, and both of mine are in that second tier. But my group of five guy, I think, belongs in the Power Five conversation. And I'm going to bring him up every chance I get. Ivan Pace Jr., linebacker for Cincinnati. He was the MAC player of the year last year for Miami, Ohio. He leads the nation in tackle for losses for Cincinnati. And the dude is a freak of nature. He is so good. He was just under-recruited because he's little. In the in the depth chart, they have him listed at like one or 6'2. He's like 5'10", 5'11" but he's a monster. He's going to play on Sundays. Such a good player. And if you haven't watched Cincinnati on defense, pay attention to number zero in the middle. His brother is actually, Deshaun Pace is on the defense with him as well, but zero, Ivan Pace Jr. is a freak. The other one that at the FCS level, I have to imagine you guys have spent some time talking about this guy because his stats are just unbelievable. Lindsey Scott Jr., the quarterback for UIW from Nichols State. He's got 37 total touchdowns in seven games. And just um, he's like video game numbers and I, I did one of his games a couple of years ago in the spring season when he was still at Nichols and he's just a fun player to watch and I'm glad that he landed on his feet after leaving Nichols also happy that G.J. Kenney, one of my buddies the head coach down there now got himself a, a really solid quarterback in his first year as the head coach and so if you haven't paid attention to Lindsey Scott before do yourself a favor and just tune in for a quarter or two of a UIW game and you'll see who he is. And we just interviewed him yesterday, so that'll be coming out this week. Boom. And I didn't even know that. Dotted. <laughs> it. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I definitely need to go to one of the games. Uh, my wife is a UIW alum, so I need to definitely go to uh, uh, one of the games, which sucks because she, she was at that school for five years, uh, and she never never she doesn't like football she never took me to a game yeah. i was like i want some tickets you i want to go Cameron to BTS, uiw and not yeah. cam ward was there they, they've been they've had some good teams for the last few years and i'd never been to a uiw game where they had they give free tickets to to students and she never whatever huh. um so oh it's my turn yeah so my turn uh for my two guys so my uh, fcs player group of five player i went with levi bell from texas state Um, he is really, really good on that, on that Texas state team. Um, And, you know, we don't really talk about it very much. Uh, You know, Texas state doesn't really get talked about very much in general. Um, But I really do think that he he's going to go against a Southern Miss team whose offensive line is not very good. Um, He has five sacks on the year and, and he's, He's really, really good, and he can. He's basically the driver of that defense for for Texas State. So um, I'm looking out for him to have a really big game against Southern Miss and uh, lead lead Texas State in on that on that interior um, on the defense side of the ball. For my for my uh, FBS player, I went with Adrian Martinez from Kansas State. Um, Adrian Martinez has 500 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns on the year, uh, compared to only four passing touchdowns. So TCU struggled against uh, Spencer uh, Spencer Sanders – sorry, I'm still in baseball season – against Spencer Sanders uh, last year – or last week, I mean. Uh, They gave up up 70 rushing yards against Spencer Sanders, uh, and obviously they were that close to losing to Oklahoma State. So I'm looking for Adrian Martinez to have a big game against TCU, um, especially if he can use the ability to run uh, and kind of expose those holes. In TCU's defense, I think that he might be primed for a big game um, and maybe even a win. Um, But yeah, I'm looking out for Adrian Martinez to have a big game against that TCU defense. For my Power 5 guy, I'm going
3: with Jaden Daniels. I talked about him a little bit when I talked about uh, the Ole Miss LSU game. His deep ball has come alive for the first time in three years. This passing attack is rolling. LSU certainly has a chance to keep pace with Ole Miss. So I'm definitely going to watch him because I've, I've loved watching his development. I'm glad that he's in a new spot where he's thriving once again. And then for my group of five, I'm going with Cole Snyder, quarterback at Buffalo. He's been solid this year, fairly inconsistent. Uh, this is his first year as a starting quarterback after playing sparingly at Rutgers in the past couple of years. He's had two really solid targets in Justin Marshall and Keon Williams. I'm just not sure if he and the Bulls' offense can keep pace with Toledo. We'll talk about that game here shortly. I'm super excited to watch that one. It's a battle of unbeaten teams in the MAC, But Cole Snyder, he's got to keep pace with Daquan Finn, who went bonkers last week.
0: You know, I love Daquan Finn. I'm going for my Power 5 guy. I'm sure they lost to Colorado last week and what will be one of the most embarrassing losses all season. And this guy struggled. It's a bounce back opportunity to play in Washington, late night Pac-12 after dark. Jaden Ott, true freshman running back, California. Get familiar with the name because you'll be watching him play on Sunday soon enough. If Nick Singleton didn't exist, we'd be talking about Ott as the best freshman running back in the country. Guy is unbelievable. Six and a half yards per carry. Does it all. Receiving abilities, insane. Great contact battles. I could talk about him. Forever. But I got to talk about Rasheed Rice, wide receiver, SMU, who I've been a fan of since early 2020. This guy has taken that ascension to the next level that I thought he was going to do last year, crowd receiver room, couldn't do it. Rasheed Rice has a big opportunity this week, once again, to cash in on that NFL check that is coming his way shortly. Guy's going to be a top 70, 75 pick, in my opinion. Love watching Rice play. Contested catch, goon. SME was just sending the ball his way over and over and over again. Is this a, like, 13-plus catch game for Rice? I think so. Now it's time to make some game picks. And some oh. of us aren't too good at this. <laughs> We're actually starting with the, uh, the nerds. Yes, the nerds. We're going to Princeton, Harvard.
1: Let's go! I, with absolutely zero research done whatsoever, I'm taking Harvard because why not?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that that sold
0: me.
2: Yeah, um, I'm like second to last place in our rankings, in our standings for picks. So I'm just done putting any sort of thought into it and just going with my gut. Um, I'm going with Harvard too. Uh, one of my favorite movies is The Social Network, and so go Harvard.
3: Man, I tried way too hard with this with this research for these game picks, man. <laughs> I really didn't have to. I mean, Princeton has won four straight against Harvard after two decades of dominance by the Crimson, in which they've won 14 of 16. This Princeton defense is for real. The Harvard defense is for real. We saw that last year. That game went to five overtimes. It was 18 to 16. I think we actually picked that one yeah. that week as well. Um, I'm picking Princeton and win their fifth straight. They've never won fifth straight against Harvard. In like, I think it's like 70 years. So I think they're going to get their their fifth straight against Harvard.
0: Yeah, I mean, two weeks ago, I I picked UNLV to win because my Uncle Kenny. Last week, I picked Duke to win because of Cousin Alex. This week, I'm picking Harvard to win because of Cousin Alex again, so I'm probably not going to win, but no, it's for real. Look, yeah, they did play that five-overtime game. Last year, it was a close one. Princeton has won the last four. They didn't play in 2020. It's time for Harvard to get a win. Look out for Aiden Borgay, running back. It's Just a stud that senior is, and yeah, give me Harvard for you know, family connections, I guess, like college game day. So I'm going to lose (laughs) because of that, but what can you do? Much more fun game is UAB Western Kentucky appointment television.
1: Yeah. Love, uh, love Western Kentucky in this. I watched uh, UAB and Rice a couple of weeks ago and UAB running back position is strong for them, but outside of that, they struggle to find production. And if we know anything about Western Kentucky, traditionally, they don't have any trouble scoring. Um, night game it's a Friday night game I believe and uh, they're playing at Western Kentucky so I'll take uh, the Hilltoppers
2: uh yeah I went with UAB I think uh uh I think they're still the second best team in Conference uh, Conference USA and um like I said I I, I'm whatever research I was doing wasn't working so I just go with my gut so I'm, I'm going with UAB four of the last five teams times that uab
3: has faced western kentucky the blazers have held the hilltoppers to 20 points or fewer so this usb uab defense is once again very talented very effective against the passing attack they held kyle kyle Treese to 204 yards and picked him off three times that guy's one of the best quarterbacks in the country production wise they limited chase cunningham they limited Chris Reynolds. Like, I think they could stop Austin Reed in this passing attack. I think UAB is going to do enough on offense to skate by. I think they get the win on the road.
0: Yeah, the Western Kentucky receivers do scare me, but one guy that scares defenses plays for UAB and he just doesn't get the volume that he deserves. Trey Shropshire is a yards per catch machine, deep field. I think he's what, six foot four, six foot five? All he does is win deep. But we don't get him the ball enough. Even after he averaged about 28 yards per catch last year, he's averaging 25.9 this year. I'd like to get him the ball more. I like UAB the win. I like the Wayne McBride Taylor spoke to it. UAB's running back position is incredible. Their running back coach, blanking on the name, said that McBride is the top, is the best running back in school history. They've had some good ones. McBride has rushed for 100 plus in every game this year, 6.7 ypc. McBride's going to do lethal damage once again. That'll take us to Syracuse, Clemson next. Uh, going to be surprised if anyone's taking the orange, honestly.
1: <laughs> Clemson, big. I think Syracuse, uh, the success that they've had at this point in the season has been in the Dome and uh, on the road at Clemson. I don't think this, it, for a number of reasons, I don't think they match up well against Clemson. Um, but I think, this is, uh, I think this is a convincing win for the Tigers.
2: Yeah, so I, I I originally picked Clemson just because I, I do think they are the better team, but I have nothing else to lose, so give me Syracuse to, with the upset. <laughs> oh man, I
3: I almost hope you're right on that.
0: We got um, UT Martin and Syracuse parlay
2: from Brian. Uh, what's that payout? Much- yeah, if it's a few thousand bucks, I'll take it. <laughs> oh man, as much as I love. Penny. As
3: as much as I love the Syracuse team, we're talking about Clemson at home, man. Like They just have exponentially, exponentially more talent, not to mention they've won 37 games in a row at home. Uh, Syracuse hasn't beaten a top-five team on the road in 21 years, so I think Clemson wins this one by two scores or more. I, I think Syracuse is probably going to keep it close in the first half, but Clemson runs away in the second
0: yeah, I'm also taking Clemson. I, I truly believe that this is one of the best three teams in the country. They have one of the best resumes thus far as well with strong wins. Here's another one that's kind of gift wrapped with where Syracuse is ranked. I have them a bit lower near the end of the teams, but here's another nice win for you, Clemson. Congrats. Improve the resume. Now we talk about real football, Toledo-Buffalo.
1: I get the impression you guys are uh, much more um... – averse to the Mac than I am I think there's a lot more research that you guys have performed on the Mac than maybe I have per se but I have watched Toledo some I've not watched a ton of Buffalo uh, but Toledo touchdown favorite at Buffalo I like them big in this game I think more to the tune of like three or more scores in this game Um, I think they their brand of football travels well so I'll take Toledo
2: yeah I'll take Toledo as well Uh, um, like I said just Going with my gut on that. I I don't think I've seen a down of football Buffalo play. So, yeah, give me Toledo.
3: Well, I have watched both of these teams play. Toledo is so much fun. Like, going into this year, I picked Daquan Finn as my quarterback to invest in this year out of the group of five. And he has not let me down. A little bit underwhelming early. They had a tough non-con schedule, but they're rolling now in Mac play. 52 points in two straight games. Daquan Finn is just going nuts. I like him to keep rolling. I don't know if they're going to win it that big, like Taylor said, but I think they're going to win in a really good game.
0: I'm with Taylor. I think they're going to blow him out. This was the team that I picked to win the Mac. Uh in back in August. I agree with you, Dylan. Well, wow. I I didn't say Finn was my quarterback to invest in, but you have it. I still did say that he would be the most talked-about player in the Mac this season. I fully believe that he's going to continue to show why he's going to continue crushing it for me and my fantasy team. So appreciate you there, Finn. And sure. Did Ohio state fans joke during and after the game against Toledo that Finn should be the heir to CJ Stroud. Yes. I kind of wish it happens. It ain't happening. But imagine if the Toledo trap, ah, that's not happening.
1: But let's <laughs> move on to Ole Miss LSE, which you guys have talked a bit about these teams today. Um, if your classic uh, one team is a, a top 10 team going on the road to an unranked team, and somehow the unranked team is the favorite. So Vegas knows something here. I think Ole Miss is due for some sort something bad to happen to them. I thought Kentucky probably should have beat them a couple weeks ago. Um, I like LSU in this game, I think this is a matchup that they will be more comfortable with. I think the loss against Tennessee a couple of weeks ago certainly has, has gotten their attention since that game. So I'll take uh, take LSU at home against Ole Miss.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm just a big fan of Lane Kiffin. So I've been with Ole Miss. Um, you know, I, and I don't like Brian Kelly very much. So I hope they lose as much as they can. Um, so give me Ole Miss. This is the hardcore analysis that you guys
3: tune in for right here. This That's is fantastic right. from Brian. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to do it two weeks in a row. Last week, I wrote down Mississippi State. And then as we were sitting here approaching Mississippi State and Kentucky, I went with Kentucky just out of nowhere. I just pulled them out of thin air, and and I won. So I wrote down Ole Miss, and I'm going with LSU. I think there's a real chance that LSU pulls off this win convincingly. My gut tells me LSU is going to win. They're going to keep on rolling. Ole Miss can win in different ways with the offense. They ran 69 times last week against Auburn. And then against Vanderbilt, I think Jackson Derrick had over 400 yards. So I think this is going to be a close one, but I think LSU is going to pull it off.
0: I mean, I think about doing the same thing there and switch to LSU, but I'll just stay at Ole Miss. I, I I just I don't love this LSU team like a lot of other people do. I'm pretty skeptical of them. Uh Butte finally looked the part last week. We'll see if that – if that continues bj Ojolari does does strike a lot of fear into opposing offenses but almost loves around that rock you're going to see Quinshon on judkins and zach evans just do lethal damage once again the offensive line is playing well and if i don't i i really want to come to the sit so like lane kiffin like dude win this game and then send me one please that'd be sick texas oklahoma state
1: next taylor Yeah, this line stinks out loud to me. Um, I don't think Texas deserves to be almost almost a touchdown favorite. However, I said this earlier, they got through their trap week. They beat Iowa State in a game that every year since Mac Brown left, they would normally lose that game. They get down early. And that would be a game that somehow, somewhere or another, Texas ends up losing that game. And like I said earlier, I'm based in Austin. I know this program better than most for having not gone there. Um, This does, that win, even though it was ugly, that is the type of win that you build on and you have momentum and knowing you can win ugly. And sometimes you have to do that in conference play. I think they match up pretty well against oklahoma state and i think they will get more in the downfield passing game against oklahoma state than they did against iowa state i don't think you'll see iowa state just dropped eight and said run it at us and that's what texas did i don't think you'll see as much of that from oklahoma state so expect more of quinn Ewers this week uh so i like texas to win i i don't know if it's going to be by a touchdown but i do like them to win
2: yeah i agree uh with you Taylor. I think that this Texas to offense is a completely different team with Q at the helm. Um, so and I they just he just he's just so good. Uh, so I, I I'm glad to see that they were I know that game against Alabama is gonna go come back and, and hunt them moving forward, but I think they're a, a much better team than than the record shows. Uh so I, I think Texas is gonna win this game. And after that kind of emotional loss Oklahoma State had last week to TCU, um, they might be a little bit rattled. Um you know, coming in. So I give me Texas to win. There's some actual analysis for you, Dylan. <laughs> All right, appreciate it. That's what's, that's what's up. Um, I,
3: I go back and forth on this one too, just because I love this Texas offense with Quinn Ewers. If he was healthy, I think they're undefeated and probably a top five team. But at the same time, I talked about earlier how Penn State, when they come off of a loss that they just continue to fall, but it's the opposite with Oklahoma State. Whenever they lose... They just don't lose back-to-back games. The last couple of years, they've won five straight games coming off of a loss. So I think they bounce back with a win at home. I think this is going to be a super close game. I like the Pokes to win
2: it.
0: All right. While you were wrapping up there, I went to Google and I did the flip a coin thing and it landed on tail. So I'm going to be picking Oklahoma State here. I do fear for it though. This was a complete toss-up in my opinion. I do fear though as to what Brian alluded to. The fact That Oklahoma State is coming off that emotional and draining loss to TCU does scare me, but Google's coin flip decided my fate here. So you could give me the pokes, Spencer Sanders. Please bounce back. And yeah, I'm gonna shout out Talon Shetron again. I'd love to see this true freshman receiver get on the field at some point this season. He does have a touchdown against UAPB. I'd love to see him get on the field in a Big 12 game. That kid's got a bright future. We'll move on to Taylor's favorite program, Boise State, as
1: they're going to be playing Air Force. Yeah, another line that stinks out loud that I don't fully understand. Uh, I think Air Force is the much better team and they're at home. And so I, you know, to me, I expected this to be more like a six and a half full touchdown favorite for Air Force and it's just a field goal. Uh, to me, I think that says that this is likely a you know knockdown drag out. Both, both of these teams don't throw the ball exceptionally well, so maybe it's just um, I think the over/under was like 47. I like Air Force to win this game. I think, uh, their brand of football lines up well against, I think back to the game that I did, if UTEP can run the ball consistently against Boise, Air Force should be able to run the ball consistently against Boise. So I'll take Air Force.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I for me, it's kind of how you alluded to you said earlier that I think Boise State is a, is a better team now than they were earlier in the season, uh, with that turnover that they had, um, you know, with the offensive coordinator and, and, you know, changing another you know, guard at quarterback. So I, I think they're just a little bit better than they were um, to start the season. So uh, I'm going to go with Boise state. I,
3: if you go back to my mountain West preview video with Quran, you will think that I'm the biggest idiot in the world because my, every one of my mountain West predictions was so off. And I was I was wrong about Boise State. I was wrong about our Air Force. I was right to be concerned about Hank Bachmeyer. I did, I did be right about that. I don't think that's really a hot take that he was kind of a, a concern coming into this year because he wasn't really consistent before. But for me, there's no chance that Air Force's rushing attack will be limited by Boise State's defense. You talked about that U tip game, they just ran over him. I think Air Force you know, with with Brad Roberts and John Lee Eldridge, that they're fantastic and they're not going to be stopped by probably anybody else this season. So I think Air Force is going to win by multiple scores. No,
0: I'll bite the bullet. I'll take Boise State. I I still love their (laughs) offense, how they have transitioned to what I wanted them to do so desperately during the UTEP game and the bit before that. Let Taylor Green just be your general and let's run the ball over and over and over again. Ashton Jonte is one of the other amazing crew freshman running backs in the sport too bright future for him we could move along though quickly to kansas state tcu
1: hey tcu in my final four so tcu that's it
2: uh so i i really i think this is going to be a really good game and it's very close so i had my wife who doesn't watch an, a, a second of football and she would ban sports if she could um she, I told her to just pick one of the two schools and she told me to, she said TCU because they're in Texas. So TCU for the win. I like that logic. <laughs> yeah, I can tell
3: there's some tension with, with you and your wife and the the lack of football love. Uh, <laughs> <this> <laughs> has. A lot of conversations I had. Yes. <laughs> Lending it all out on the podcast. I I feel like uh, this TCU team might finish the year unbeaten, honestly. And I'm really interested to see how for real this Kansas state team is. Uh, But I think TCU is going to run away with it. I think they're going to put it on Kansas State. I think this is a a blowout, honestly. I like TCU big.
0: Yeah, speed kills. I'm taking TCU. There's no chance I'm doing riff ram. but I would love to see another crazy frog video from TCU's football account. Those are outstanding. Let's keep making those. Let's keep winning. Let's make Taylor and I look smart with, with the college football playoff appearance. And now we'll go to our group five slash FCS game of the week. I saw a weeknight thriller. Between Troy and South Alabama, this is a, shun, a Sun Belt showdown.
1: South Alabama feels like every one of their games is down to the last minute, one score games. I think this will be very similar. Uh, I'm going against one of my old stream coaches, Rusty Witt, who uh, if you oh. you will famously remember the head butted the guy yep. and had the blood going down his face when he was at Louisiana Lafayette. He was at Rice when I was there, so he's now at Troy. Rusty, if you somehow see this, uh, I'm very sorry. Do not find me and hurt me. Um, I'm going to take South Alabama. I think they they win most of these games that are close. They're comfortable winning one-score games. I think it's a field goal game right now. They're a field goal favorite, and I think that's probably how it shakes out.
0: Is that a bad sign that you said his name and I immediately
1: knew the exact meme that he's no the, the hardcore college football fans know exactly who he is because of that I think it was a bowl game even that he headbutted somebody which is like wild when you think about your strength coach headbutting somebody for because like anybody that doesn't know the the lower level bowl games that is not the vibe like it's <laughs> not intense for the most part every now and then you get one that is but for the most part it's like hey, everybody's here to just you know coaches get their bonuses kids get their bowl game or their bowl rings like let's just be chill not I'm going to smash one of my players in the head when I don't have a helmet on. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> you didn't have to go back out there. Huh? You didn't have to go back out there that's next true. week. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, hey, all or nothing,
0: let's headbutt somebody. Right. And sometimes you have a Miami Beach Bowl brawl too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: yeah, so I went the South Alabama as well. Um, I like them at home, and um, I think they're a better team overall. So I won the South Alabama. We got to shout out Troy's turnaround this year. It's
3: been magnificent to watch. They haven't won more than five games in each of the last three years, and they're already five and two. I think they have a really good shot at getting number six, but I do think you're onto something, Taylor, about South Alabama winning in close games. They surrendered a late lead against ULL, needed a late field goal to win that one. Their defense at Louisiana Monroe allowed them to come back, but I think South Alabama is going to get a defensive stop late in the game, and they're going to win this one.
0: As much as Chip Kelly sandbags and non-conference slate, this is South Alabama team that should still hold a win over this UCLA team. They completely folded with that terrible fourth and two call to go fake field goal, at that unit out there, whatever that garbage was. Whatever. I like South Alabama in this game. Now I did this last week. If you're watching playoff baseball over this college football game in the Sunbelt, what the heck? are you doing you've got wide receiver at Troy Tez Johnson going up against South Alabama cornerback Daryl Luther Jr a matchup of two future NFL guys at their position lock in watch this don't watch the NBA don't watch playoff baseball watch hockey if you want I don't care don't don't watch those sports watch Troy at South Alabama though it's gonna be a good game and now our power five game of the week it's UCLA it's Oregon it's Chip Kelly going back to Eugene this game is going to be so much fun
1: Not only do I like UCLA to cover, but I like them to win outright. I think um, I said it earlier, but I think Chip Kelly is notorious for screwing around in the non-conference and having his teams look unprepared and feeling like this is going to be a team that hovers around 500 once they get into the conference slate. And then the lights come on, and especially in big atmospheres, which this certainly will be at Autzen, uh, his team seem to rise to the occasion. It's been that way his entire career. And I expect Dorian Thompson-Robinson to play well. Uh, he's going to be the X factor for them. If he protects the football, he does enough with his legs. He's such a dynamic player. If he protects the football, they win. And it wouldn't surprise me if this is like a like a 9, 10-point win, not just a cover for UCLA.
2: Yeah, I went with uh, UCLA as well. I loved um... – you know, what Chip Kelly's done this year, obviously they've, they've had, they've had their issues and they've had their struggles as obviously we saw what they did against South Alabama, but they've been able to bounce back from that. Um, one thing for me that I really enjoy is how they're going to be very, they're good this year, but nobody goes to their games. So they remind me of the Tampa Bay Rays. How they make the world series and nobody goes to their football. Nobody goes to their baseball game. So um, I think it'd be interesting to see UCLA make the college football playoff with like, a total of 50,000 fans for the season. Um, but, you know, uh, no, but seriously, yeah. Uh, DTR is amazing. He's, he's, he's very elusive and he's, he brings a dynamic to that offense that um, I don't think UCLA has seen in a little while. Uh, and, you know, Oregon, you know, they're, they, they've had, well, obviously we saw what they did at the beginning of the year, but they've, they've also kind of had um, some of their holes um, as well. So I really want you, I really hope UCLA uh, continues that kind of momentum through the rest of the season. So I, I'm, Picking UCLA more as of a hope, but I do want to use to win.
3: I've watched just about every snap of, of both these teams this year, and I could talk all about the matchups of, you know, quarterbacks or the coaches or the defenses and all that yada yada stuff. But the one thing that I really want to focus on with these two programs specifically is the shift in the culture. UCLA's culture—it was kind of about, and I know Liam can speak to this. Their culture was like, "Hey, if we make it to a bowl game, we're solid." Like that—that that was kind of what they've been shooting for the last couple of years. Chip Kelly has a prove it year last year, gets them to a bowl game. Obviously, they weren't able to make it, but this year now they're—they're they're talking Pac-12 title. They're talking college football playoff. Like this team is for real now. Then you go to Oregon, Mario Cristobal leaves at the end of last year that they kind of underwhelmed at the end of the year. They got upset against Stanford and then just fell apart at the end of the year. They come in, get ripped apart by Georgia, and now they look like a complete team. It looks fun. It looks like the Oregon teams of old. Now we're talking about a Chip Kelly team. That's like bringing back the Oregon, you know, scheme to UCLA, a little bit different, but it's still a very fun offense, pretty solid defense. And this Oregon team reminds a lot of people of the Chip Kelly days. So it's going to look pretty reminiscent. I think Oregon wins this one in a close one because of Bo Nix. This is crazy that I'm even saying that sentence right now. But the way that Bo Nix has been playing the last, since that Georgia game, really, completing 74% of his passes, 20 total touchdowns, one turnover. He's been sacked once, and that was not even really a sack. The offensive line is just so good. I know the UCLA defensive front is fantastic, but I think the offensive line We'll hold up. I like Oregon in a close one.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of fun players in this game to talk about, too. I love the matchup that TJ Bass has with some of the UCLA members in the front seven, like the Murphy twins off the edge. We're getting to watch Noah Sewell, a.k.a. Bullet Bill, play some football, too. That's fun but what on earth am I supposed to do when I have this reputation as a UCLA fan that I have to keep picking against them or else that group chat's going to kick me out and that can't happen. I have to pick Oregon. Uh, I I wish I could give analysis, but I wrote about my analysis instead. I don't have all all day to talk about it. We got to get up on out here. I'm picking Oregon against my own will. Please help me. Please, that Um, yeah, I mean, that will do it for us, though. Uh, I don't know if we have anything else to say aside from our great insight on these games. A lot of stinky lines, as Taylor pointed. There are a lot of fishy lines out there. Be
1: careful gambling.
0: But, yeah, we really enjoyed having you on, Taylor. Appreciate you a lot.
1: Yeah, thank you, guys. Love the account, and uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you, Taylor.
0: It was a pleasure having you. And yes, if you're still watching, make sure to like and subscribe, follow us on Spotify and Apple as well. So keep on supporting us. It means a lot. And we'll see you on the next